you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, please. Hebrews chapter 6. One of my favorite movies or like set of movies is the Marvel comic universe uh, that started with Iron Man, ended with Endgame. Uh, you in the back there, did y'all watch those? Um, they were incredible. They spanned like 15 years of development and they told one cohesive sort of story. It was a remarkable writing. It was incredible. And uh, there was this big moment uh, in the second to last movie where there was the snap and half of the universe uh, was gone and disappeared and then uh, they reversed the snap. Iron Man, he says, I'm Iron Man and he snaps his fingers and they all come back and then Iron Man dies. So, uh, so sorry. Uh, spoiler alert. It's only been, it's only been five years but, uh, uh, but it's just an incredible story. And then I, th you watch these movies though, where like there's this tr terrible tragedy that happens, and, and it's kind of like, where do you go from here? Like, what did Tom Hanks do once he got back on the like off the island? Like, did he go back to work for FedEx? Like, you know, what? Where do you go from here? You know, does Tom Hanks ever get on a plane or a boat again? Uh, you know, does Harrison Ford does he win the re-election after Air Force One? Uh, you know, these, these are important questions that I think about. Like, do they ever uh, get back to their normal life? Do they go back to these normal routines? Well, Marvel Comic Universe, they are answering these questions. They, they have a cash cow, so they're like, we'll figure out how to uh, answer as many people's questions of where do we go from here. And, and uh, uh, the sermon today is going to stop talking about Marvel Comics, I promise. Uh, but it's that sort of question of, after a tragedy, after difficulty, after the sort of strains of life that we all go through and navigate, it's really an important question of asking, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Uh, I need a couple of assistants. Uh, Sam and, and, uh, and Lily, come forward, please. I didn't... Uh, have, we, have we ever met before? Have we ever... Uh, no, okay. All right, so here's uh, my two lovely assistants. Sam, are you game for this challenge today? Okay, all right. So we have Sam and we have Lily. And um, uh, to, to illustrate today's message, I need you guys to, to uh, just do me a small favor. I'm not sure how this is going to work on the stage and all this, but um, I need you guys to follow Jesus, all right? And to follow Jesus, um, he, he's in that back chair over there, okay? All right. And so Jesus is there, and I want you to start uh, your journey there. Just take one step forward, okay? You guys are starting. It's almost like you guys got married. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think about that, but um, I'm really sorry. I mean, you would have been on the other side, so it's not. You would have been over here. She would have been, so it's not that. Okay, all right. Where was I? Okay, so we're heading, we're heading to, to Jesus. Now, now uh, Sam, I want you to take a step forward, and Lily, I want you to kind of step sideways over there. Okay, now go ahead and take another step forward. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, don't hurt yourself. Okay. Now, now uh, 
Sam, go ahead, keep heading towards Jesus. You're doing a good job, man. Just keep going. You're a, you're a good young man. All right, pause right there. Uh, Lily, you get distracted by Brad and go talk to him. <laughs> All right, now, okay. Now, you're doing pretty good, and you guys started here together, and she's over there, right? What would you say to her to help her out? Follow me. That's a good thing to say. Maybe like, hey, what are you doing over there? We're heading this way, right? What else would you say to her? Don't get, don't get lost. Don't get distracted. Um, okay, so come on back over. Come back over, you know. All right, go ahead and follow down. That's good. Okay. All right, stop right next to Sam. Okay, now take a couple steps forward. A couple steps forward. A couple steps forward. Okay. Now, Lily, I want you to turn and go out those doors. All right, go ahead and head out. Go ahead and head downstairs, head out the building. All right, she went there. And you just go ahead and meet Jesus, okay? All right, okay, come back, Lily. You didn't go outside. You didn't listen very good. Don't, don't let the door hurry. All right, give, give our lovely assistants a hand. All right, come on back. You guys, you're done. You're, I, your services are no longer needed. Thank you, my lovely assistants. All right, now... We have, uh, we have all been on both parts of that journey, haven't we? We've all been in a spot where we're spending time with people we shouldn't spend time with. Oh, that just worked out great. I didn't, I didn't even have that plan. Oh, man. All right. And we, have, and we have these moments where we have a clear path and we know exactly where we're going, what we need to do. And we have these diversions. And these moments where sometimes we even leave the building. And we get so far off track. And the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the heart of the message is don't get distracted and drift off. Come back and follow the path. Come back and follow the way of Christ. And he preaches this message. And in the heart of it, in, in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, he starts this really, really hard conversation he starts out by insulting them and it comes off in this in this way that almost feels rude it feels like oh what are you saying and and we read it in uh, our sort of modern context and we miss what he's doing it was a normal sort of uh, rhetoric to sort of like knock people down and say hey you're all you're all acting like a bunch of babies that's what he says he calls them infants they're infants in their, faith, uh, in their faith. And I'm sure that if I came up this morning and started calling you all a bunch of babies, that you would really appreciate that, and you'd be back next week. So um, we'll let him do it. He called it, okay? He called us that. But it was a way to waken them up to what's going on. I, I liken it to when, uh, when the football coach brings the team in at halftime and nothing has gone right. They're down 36-0, and, they, and Ray, you missed a block there earlier, and, you know, you're bad. And, and Mason, well, when you face-planted into the mud, that was not good, and you forgot to block the guy. And Pat, when you fumbled the ball, you know, you got to fall on it and cradle it, you know. And so the coach goes through the lineup and says, guys, we've messed up every step of the way here. But it's, and, it, and they would start getting a little ticked, like, Pat, you're mad at me that I called you out about the fumble. I know you are. 
don't drop the ball next time. But, uh, the, uh, you know, it's like that sort of tension. And he's calling out this tension. And he's saying we should be further along in our faith, and we haven't gotten there. And we've had these diversions. We've had these moments where we've drifted off, and we need to wake up to the matter of there's something that needs to happen now. There's something that needs to change within all of us. There's something that has to happen. And the question that I think ha- that's on the heart of the Hebrew preacher is, is where do we go from here? Where do we go after hardship? Where do we go after we've wandered off? Where do we go after we've wrestled with sin and we feel like we've failed? Where do we go when people have left the church? Where do we go when we see the problems that are happening in our life and the lives of others? Where do we go? What do we do now? What do we do after tragedy? What do we do after all of this hardship and heartache? Where do we go from here? So the preacher, he, he sets them up and he says, you guys need to grow up in your faith. And then he offers this challenging statement. And he talks about the impossibility of those who wander off to come back. If Lily kept going out of the building and out the door and down the road, if she never did this one thing, she actually did it, she didn't know she did it, but she did this one thing that's required for everyone to have a life with God. You can't get back on the path to God if you never repent. Repenting was when she closed the door and she came back in. But there are some in our lives who wander away from the faith and they never come back and they never want a relationship with God. They don't want a relationship with the church. And there's a lot of reasons why. Some of them valid hardships of things that Christians have said that, that they had no business of saying and things that have happened to them that has affected their relationship with God and that has hardened their hearts so much to the point where they have no desire to be with God and walk with his people and walk with him in their life. And the Hebrews preacher, he looks at the congregation and he says to them, the only hope for them is if they repent. The only hope for them is if they come back. And we don't like that. Because if you're like me, I like having control of things. And I know it's sharing with you that there's people in your life, and maybe it's children and kids that are doing things that you wish you had control over. I have control of my kids. I don't know what you guys are up to. That's an outright lie. I'm sorry. Don't strike me, God. The, uh, that's a very real challenge for all of us. To, we have people in our life where we wish so much better for them, but they make decisions that one decision after the next, it's hardened their heart to God, and it's one step further and one step further away, and we want them to come back, and we don't know what to do. And it's this tension that sort of builds and builds and builds. He calls the congregation a bunch of babies. <laughs> he says, your guys are getting off track. There's people who have left, and it seems like they're never going to come back. They're never going to repent. They're never going to be restored. They know the truth about Jesus, but they're not coming back. And you just feel this hardship in the middle of the book of Hebrews, and it's like this weight 
this weight of heaviness is over them. And then he says this. Even though we speak like this, Hebrews 6, 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, family, brethren, church, even though we talk about all of this, we are convinced of better things, of better things in your case. And the things that have to do with salvation. There's something better for you. And yeah, it feels like half time and we're down 36 nothing. but I have good news for you. There are better things for you. And in this case, it has to do with salvation. And he says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. He says, I, don't, I, want, you to, I want you to hear this. There are better things for you. And it has to do with salvation. And he's going to outline then, and we're going to look at the word better. He's going to use it like a dozen more times in the book. And he's going to talk about all the ways in which the salvation that we have in Jesus is better. We have a better priest. We have a better covenant. We have a better promise. We have a better word. We have a better Savior. We have a better Christ. And he is going to redeem and save. And we have these assurances of the promises that we have in him. And he says to you, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And we look around the room and we see family and friends and it's hard to know who's in and who's out because it's summertime and, you know, like we just go crazy and we have to go, go places. I'm with you. I'm going to go places too, you know. It's, and so it's hard to know where are we at? What's going on? What's happening next? And the Hebrew preacher has a message for us. His message is, God is just, and he remembers all that you have done for him, and he has seen, and he loves the love that you have for one another, and the love that you have shown, and he's not ever going to forget that, and his promises are true, his promises are good, and they're going to hold on there through the end, and so his word for us, his word for Christians who maybe have struggled with where they are at in their life and wondering where do we go from here it's this moment where you realize that where you go from here is continuing to carry on where uh, all that has been done before and so I think about Etna Green Church of Christ and I think about our life together and I think about what has been important to us because I, I talk to ministry friends and th- this is the question that every minister is asking right now, where do we go from here? Because every church and every minister that I know, they are facing the very same challenges that we do. People who haven't come back, people who have left, people who, uh, you know, just, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We shut down programs. We shut down church. We shut down everything. And we wonder, 
What do we do next? Where do we go now? What happens? And I think this Hebrew preacher tells us what we need to do. We go with what got us here. We go with loving people and loving our church family. We go with all of this work that we do for the Lord and we continue that work because God sees that work and he doesn't forget what we've done. And it can feel like all hope is lost. It can feel like, man, what were, what were we doing all those things for? And we can have these questions about programs. We can have questions about what to do next. And I'll tell you what, we're going to do the very things that we need to do. We're going to have VBS because children need to hear about Jesus Christ. And we're going to have picnics. We're going to have a church picnic because God's people deserve to have a church picnic and potlucks and uh, the things that are of God, of fellowship and grace for one another and forgiveness. And so my question, when I look at this text and I wonder this question of where do we go from here while we continue doing what we've always done? This church celebrated 150 years of being a congregation. I think five years ago we celebrated that, but I'll be honest, I sort of made the number up. It was like 1964, 19, or 1864, or 68, or something like that. And so I just sort of said, hey, we need to have 150th. Uh, I've been here long enough, I think I can admit that now. Um, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, But a church congregation started here as a faithful people to Jesus Christ. Faithful to his word. In the beginning of the United States, in 1776, there would have been a melting pot of denominations that came to America. There would have been Methodists, Baptists, and Presbyterians, uh, probably Episcopalians, and certainly Catholics. And this sort of convergence of Christianity at the inception of America, there was a group of people who were meeting in Kentucky. And they started what is known today as the Restoration Movement. And this movement of Christians was saying, and they were looking at, they were looking at a nation they were looking at a nation that was separating themselves from the church and state of England. And the way the church functioned in England was that there was a king who was over the, over the church. And they were seeing themselves as independent from this sort of religion. And Protestantism sort of spread out from that sort of debacle and so many other things and Martin Luther and the Reformation and I'm losing you in my illustration and I don't want to because what matters is this moment in history when people were looking at the birth of a nation and they were also looking at a birth of a new movement and the movement was about declaring independence from denominationalism and becoming independent Christian churches people who would unite together over Jesus Christ, over his word, and gathering together in the name of Christ. And they would say, we are Christians only. And they would unite themselves around the word of God, and they would say to one another, we are going to be not anti-denominational, but we are going to be one that calls people together in unity. It became known as the Christian churches and churches of Christ. We are the largest indigenous movement in the United States. 
Christian churches started as a unity movement. And I believe that where we go from here is taking up the mantle of Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell and Thomas Campbell. It's called the Stone Campbell Movement, and we call it the Restoration Movement. It's taking up their baton of saying, we are going to be a unifying church. We're going to work with churches who love Jesus. We're going to work with one another, and we're going to continue to love one another, as the Hebrews preacher points out. We're going to love and serve and unite. I am convinced of this as I ever have been. I have wavered. I have felt frustrated. I have felt so many things and discouraged, and I've had so many things just sort of like happen that it's like, is this the right thing or is it not? I was praying a long time ago, and I thought, we need to have a vision for what God desires for us to do here. And Bible college, uh, depending on who you talk to, there's different things you do. You either build new buildings, or uh, you, you expand and do different things, and you, you do stuff with your building. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know that that's it, <laughs> right? Seems like it should be about people. And... Uh, and I just, I felt like the vision had to be about people. It had to be about caring about others. And I was reading, and I, for, I forget where I was reading it, but it was a quote from St. John of the Cross. It's not John the Baptist or John that wrote the Gospels. It was a guy a few centuries later than that. And St. John of the Cross said that mission is to put love where love is not. And I thought, good grief, that's the simplest thing I've ever heard, and that's what I want my life to be. To put love where it isn't. And in every moment of every day, there's an opportunity to show the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what I've hoped to model in my life, and I hope that that's what church we can be. A church that looks at the suffering, a church that looks at the hurt in the world, and we can open up Luke 4, and we can say that the Spirit of the Lord rested on Jesus Christ, and he set the oppressed free. We can open up Luke 4 and we can say Jesus cared about the poor and the hurting and the suffering and that it is a new day and a new dawn of a new kingdom. We get to be a part of that. My heart has been that we would be a people who would love who isn't loved, that we would love those who feel like they aren't lovable, that we would love in situations that are filled with darkness and hurt and the decay and suffering of this world and we would enter into it with the gospel of peace and love and kindness. So this question of where do we go from here? Well, I hope you get a good sense of what it is. We go on loving. We go on loving one another, and even though there has been ups and downs of doing that, and there's hurt, and there's suffering, I think that we just say, you know what? That's the way it is. It's going to be that way until Jesus comes back and set things right, but for right now, I'm just going to take, take up the task of loving you and loving my community. Hebrews, he says, this isn't the case for you. There's better things. You're not distracted. You haven't wandered out the door. You're in here. 
and you're here because you desire to know a little bit more about how to follow Christ and walk with him. And so Sam said it best. Let's say follow. Let's follow Jesus. Follow one another as we follow Christ. That's what Paul says. Follow me as I follow Christ and become more like him. So let's encourage one another along. And let's go back in. After halftime, we might be down 36 nothing. But there's something next for us. There's kids to love. There's a community to show Christ to. There's people in our church family that need encouraged and loved and held and, I don't know, baked cookies for. I don't, I don't know how to put that in the right tense, but whatever. There's people to love and encourage. So let's do that. And let's do it with all our heart. Because we know that when we do that, we know where we're going. We're going with Christ, and we're entering into his kingdom. We're walking a new life with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and I thank you for today. And I ask, God, that you would continually guide us to be your children and help us to walk with you and to know you. Uh, Lord, we have uh, so many distractions and diversions but beyond that, Lord, there are sins and there are temptations and there are things, Lord, that are within us that would lead us to feel like we have no place with you. And Lord, as simple as the illustration is, help us to close the door and turn to you. Lord, we all are dealing with sin and brokenness and so we ask, God, that you would have your spirit lead us and draw us back to you. Lord, for those that we love and care about deeply, who have wandered from you, who we have such heartache for, we pray, Lord, that they would come back to you and that we would be a part of that message, a part of the heralds that announce that Jesus is alive and Jesus loves them and forgives them help them to know they have a family in you and your family that there's forgiveness and love for them help them to know that there's a party for them when they come back Lord help us to know that the story of your word is a story of a people who have been stubborn and wandered off and have been filled with anger and jealousy and idolatry and so many sins, Lord, but you forgive them and you welcome them home. So, Lord, we know that it's not too late. It's not too late for me. It's not too late for a neighbor. It's not too late for someone we love and care about. It's not too late for anyone. They can turn to you. And for our church, God, we, we pray that as we navigate what's next and where do we go from here, that we would put your love at the forefront of everything we do. That love and unity and forgiveness and kindness, Lord, would be the driving force of our life together. That in our fellowship, we would lift one another up. Lord, in our time together as a church family, we would point people to you and we would celebrate Jesus. 
the one who sets us free. Free from sin, free from death, free from darkness. Lord, you are light, you are hope, you are life. So turn our hearts to you, Lord. Help Etna Green Church of Christ be a faithful and loving church. Lord, as we we navigate this life together call us back to you walk with us and be with us thank you for your spirit thank you for your hope and your salvation that you give us lord thank you that we are assured of better things that that is not our story of wandering from you but our story is of a better thing today better salvation gives us deliverance and hope today. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand in response?